All good? So this is just a sound for the WebEx then, right? Okay. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. Really glad to be here um, to see all of you guys. Um, you know, it's, I'm, it's always nice to come here and, and be with the family up here in Yuma. Um, but when I came up this time, it's like in my heart, it's like, I'm coming here, I'm coming here for God, man. I'm, I'm, I know you have to make all the physical arrangements. You got to take care of stuff. But in my heart, my appointment up here this, in Yuma was to meet with God, to meet with God. And I want to do that in every aspect of my life. When I do something, every decision, every choice, everything that's being made is because I'm doing it to meet with God. Whatever the need of the Lord is, I've been thinking about that, what the need of God is. Uh, how important is it when we begin to think about what God needs and his desires and his work and his plan and what he's accomplishing, what he's doing? The other, the other way you go about it is to look at yourself and you say, what do I need? What can I do for myself? What is it? You're always, it's always, isn't it really inverted? You're always trying to find out what, God, what can you do for me? How can you help me here? And all you become is very focused on your need. But even if you become focused on your need, I do know a God that is a savior. That's his salvation works in him. Everything he did. How many times and how much weakness worked in the children of Israel? How many times do they tempt him and try him and unbelief and fear and doubt and dismay and all those things that came against the children of Israel in that example, did God say, I will stand up and I will send you a Savior? Nehemiah the ch uh, chapter 9, fourth verse, it talks about, and he gave them saviors. You're in a place where you need a Savior. What's God do? God knows how to send his word to you. God knows the word that you need. God knows the word. He knows where you're at. He knows the, the, if it's unbelief, if it's fear, if it's doubt, whatever it might be. God is so gracious and so merciful. He sends his word and he heals and he deliver, delivers and he sets free. And I've been thinking about the parable. Remember Zacchaeus? Remember that parable of Zacchaeus? When he heard about the Lord, he, something caught his attention. He heard about the Lord. It says because he was a small stature, he climbed up into the tree so that he could see the Lord. Something was compelling him to know the Lord, to see Jesus. So he goes and begins to seek after the Lord. Jesus the Christ, who is this man that I've heard uh, speaking the word of God and, and with power and signs and wonders and raising the dead and opening deaf ears and opening the blinded eyes? Who is this man, Jesus Christ? So he begins to seek him out. And as he does, he catches the Lord's attention. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down because salvation has come to your house this day. Salvation. What a powerful, great word that this man is hearing. Salvation has come to you. I'm going to abide with you in your house today. And you know what caught my attention? He says that he was a son of Abraham. He was a saint of Abraham. Kenny, the Lord said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He's, he is possessive. He loves his own. He loves his children. He was a child of Abraham. He had a covenant. The Lord made a covenant with Abraham that I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your seed. I'm going to bless you as the stars in heaven, as the sand of the seed. I will bless you, greatly multiply you. And when he said that, Zacchaeus, I'm going to bring salvation to your house today, it's because I know who you're of. I know that you're of the faith of Abraham. And though you don't know it, though you don't remember it, though you can't see it, I know who you are because you're mine. You're mine. And you know what? The Lord says, have I not chosen you? We think that we've chosen the Lord. He says, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you. I have chosen you and called you to be a peculiar people, to be a treasure unto myself, to be my glory. And the Lord is working by his spirit to gather things, all things that are his back into himself. And the call is so strong and it's beckoning so loud. It should be deafening how loud the voice of the Lord is calling and say, come and join yourself back into me. Come back into the consciousness of who you are and, and that you are a son of God and you're a child of the king and you're of inheritance and you're of promise. And your father is not the one you've been calling your father. 
the devil, his consciousness, his sin, his death, his condemnation. Are we tired of that, that lie, the condemnation of the devil? Are we ready to believe and go back to what God said that we are? The call has been going forth. The, the cry of the bridegroom. Thinking about that uh, parable, right? The ten, wise, uh, the ten virgins, five were foolish and five were wise. And the cry went out. And five were ready and five were not. We got a cry going forth. We got the cry of the Lord going forth and saying, make yourself ready. Make yourself ready for the Lord. I want to make myself ready. How about you? I want to be ready for the Lord. That's what's in my heart this morning. I'm so happy to be with you guys, and I look forward to the fellowship that we're going to have, the preaching, the teaching, the being together, and uh, I look forward to my conversations with you guys all here. So thanks for having me. You guys have, once again, you guys roll up the red carpet for me. Seth, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to some good things here, guys. All right, thanks. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, uh, having a great time here. I appreciate uh, Pastor Gary and his wife Dawn being here. Um, it's just good that they're here. Um, I wanted to tell you something. Uh, before he came, and I told Gary this a couple of times, different places we were at, I have been looking forward to him coming here for quite some time because I prayed. I prayed that there would be healing when he came. I prayed that there would be understanding that would come to those that don't have it, wisdom to those that need it. And um, not that we haven't been preaching the word of God, but here's the thing. It's always good to have another witness, huh? Some of the things he said yesterday, we've said. All you have to do is just get your mind together to understand what? We're in unity. The body of Christ is in unity. But he's bringing so much more. He's bringing things that will help our church. And I've been looking for that. We love all of you and we ask God to always give you what you need in order to be healed, in order to be uh, endued with what? The understanding and the wisdom that we need at the time that we need it. God is always available, always available. He's always with us. So if the anointing is with us, when are we separated from him? We're not. We're not separated from his spirit. So we can always call on him when we need him. And that's exactly what we're doing now. So we prayed that there would be things, there'd be healings and things that will take place after Pastor Gary and Don came here. And you're part of that. Some of the things you've said that have healed some. And so uh, it's a very important thing. But last thing I'm going to say is this. We're talking about us being the church, you know. So we're the wife of Christ. We're, you know, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. And so then you start thinking about that. He loves his wife, gave his life for it, didn't he? Gave his life for it. And then you think about the pastors and their wives. Do we have to give our lives toward the gospel? Yes, we do. We give our lives for the gospel. We, we've decided that we're going to be what God wants us to be and, and to continue in the will of God. So we have to give our lives. What does it go down to? Then the deacons and their wives because they're going to be the next step up for the elders, right? Given their lives. And then it goes out to all of you. And we all have to give our lives. Isn't that true? This is what God is doing for all of us. So if you're part of this body, you're part of the bride. So catch this. Is he your husband? Oh, yeah. To the body? Yeah. And so he wants to do good toward you. A man that loves his wife Oh, my goodness. Is that a good thing? Wives that know that your husbands love you, is that a good thing? Think about God loving his wife and how much love he can put toward that. It's great. So at this time, we're going to uh, give you to the hands of uh, Pastor Gary. He's going to preach some more good word for us. And uh, come on forth, bro. Give it to Don first. Don, you say something first. Well, good morning. Thanks for having us. Um, it's not working. Um, 
So I'm very grateful and thankful to be here. Um, I talked the other day a little bit about uh, when we got here about uh, what God has done in me in healing. And, you know, it's amazing to me because the more I talk about it and Pastor Dan and Gary have told me this for years, um, I'm pretty stubborn and didn't listen. But the more I talk about it, the more God keeps adding to me. And it is even being here and what I have talked about and what I've listened to, you know, Gary talking and Claudette, and uh, he's still adding to me. He keeps adding to me. He is showing me that I, and it's amazing you talked about the Bride of Christ because I had a dream about that last night, and, um, but that I am that Bride of Christ. Yeah. I am part of that, and that, um, you know, Gary talked about a dream that I had, and I won't get into all the details, but in the dream, God had taken me through periods of my life that um, different scenarios and things that had happened and showed me that he was there for me through that whole thing. He was there every step of the way to guide me, to show me, and I had a dream when I was 19 about getting married, and... Uh, didn't understand it quite at that time what it all meant. God's bringing that back to my remembrance and showing me more into it, but that he loves me and he has always been there through everything in my life to bring me where I am right now in the things of God, to heal me, to show me that I belong here, that I am a part of God and a part of this ministry and a part of the healing and everything that has happened and I know that it is just going to keep going and keep adding and I know it's going to go to everyone it's everybody is going to get to participate that wants to make that decision to make God the number one priority in their lives and you know I never understood that um, making that choice um, until recently, um, because, you know, you look at, you live here, and you look at all the things that are here, and you, you focus on those things, that you have your family, your kids, and all those kinds of things, and when you're not in the thought of God, that's all we have. That's all, like, that's all I ever focused on, and since God's been talking to me the last few years, and bringing things back to my remembrance, and showing me things, God has become number one in my life, and he keeps adding to that continually, and to the point that my husband and I are going to move to Idaho to help Pastor Dave and, and Connie and the church up there, and a few years ago, that would not have been possible for me to make that kind of move, to, to put that first in my life that, you know, I need to make God first, and Gary was talking about um, at breakfast today about Moses drawing that line and saying, you know, which side are you going to be? Which side are you going to choose? And, you know, I've told him this, and I just I told him again last night. Um, I made that choice. And I, I, I stepped on that side with Moses, and I made that choice. And that is going to be what guides me in my life. And... I am just very grateful for those things. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you. <sighs> just a little bit more, and she'll be preaching the whole service. And I can just sit back and chill out and go into visions of the heavenly realm. <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be real good. You know why it'd be good? It'd be good for you. Because if we're in the heavenly realm, what do you think we're envisioning? Is it possible, Ernest, we might be waking up some angels? That's what I'm talking about. You guys doing good? All your smiling faces? We love you guys. We appreciate you. Uh, super happy to be here. Love my brother PK. We are brothers, man. We're, we're, we're angelic brothers in the things of God. We don't look like this in heaven. 
much better looking in heaven. We just have to suffer a little bit here, don't we, PK? But that's good. God didn't want to make me too good looking down here. I'd have got in trouble. Right, Seth? All right. You feel what I'm laying down there, brother? <laughs> uh, I love to razz these guys a little bit. I have to. What, that's what happens, you know. You got to be the older brother and razz them a little bit. Get these young guys preaching the gospel. That's what we really want to do. Get you all preaching the gospel. Talking about Moses, Moses said, I wish to God all of you were prophets. What would happen if every single one of you came into the office of a prophet or into the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the spirit of prophecy? What would happen? My God, man, every world sitting in this place this morning would be set on fire with the gospel of Jesus. Tell me that wouldn't be the will of God. Jesus came into the world and he imparted himself into 12 apostles. One ended up as a devil. Uh-oh. But no worries. God had plan B, which actually would have been plan A, because that's just the way God does it. Took a man named Saul, greatest man of sin of all, and made him the greatest apostle of all. And then God said, now we're going to get it all back. Not just the Jew. We're going to go after the Gentile. We're going to get it all. And that's what God wants to do in us. God's not going to be satisfied with a part of you. He wants all of you. You guys ready for that? You ready to lay down every part of your life to let Jesus take its place? Jesus said it like this. You could gain the whole world, but you lose your soul in the process. That does not sound like a good exchange to me. But he said, if you lose your life, then you gain what? You gain your soul. Now, your soul is much bigger than you think. What if you could go back to Deuteronomy 13, where that false prophet, that familiar spirit worked, and you could win back every aspect of the soul the devil stole from you? What if you could do that? In asking that, I'm telling you, he, you can do that. You can get the son back. You can get the woman back. You can get the daughter back. You can get the brother back. You can get the friend back. Let's talk about that for a minute. Which aspect of the soul is God after right now? He's after the aspect of the woman. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? How many years did we spend, did God spend, going after the son? Why did the son have to be first? Can we just talk about it? You guys want to talk about it? Anybody? You guys awake? All right, Terry's awake. He's back there. Come on now. Terry said had to go after the son first because without Jesus, being that he's the chief cornerstone, we can do nothing. Boy, that's laying it down, Terry. That's good stuff, good preaching. Without Jesus, Jesus said this. Without me, you can do nothing. Look at the fall of Adam. The whole story of God, God put it in Adam. And in the, same, in the same sense of the word, God put Adam in the story. He put him in the garden, didn't he? But in the midst of Adam is where these great things of this story of God took place. You got to read your scripture. It happened in the midst. In the midst of what? In the midst of a son. You know the story, so I don't have to recount the whole story. But a fall took place, right? There was something that Adam was unaware of, something that was in him that he did not know about. So what did God do? God put him in a sleep, and he was intent to reveal it to him. 
He put Adam in a sleep, took a rib from him, and he made a woman. He made a helpmeet. So what is the woman? She's a helpmeet. Now, God's doing this in Adam with great intent. What's he about to heal in Adam? What's he about to make strong? If this thing in him was weak and God was intent to reveal it, then God planned on making the thing that was weak strong. That's what our God does. He's not the God that religion has taught you, a God of fear and destruction and manipulation and, you know, I'm going to kill you, you serve me, or I'm going to kill you. That's not our God. That's not my God. I can tell you that right now. That's not my father. Now, I know that father. You hear me? I know that father. Go read John 8. When Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, what did he say to them? You're of your father, the devil. That devil has been a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar and a thief also. And you're his children. Ooh, my God, man. Could you imagine being a child of the devil? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can. But it was never true. Isn't that awesome? Even, Tim, you talked about it. Even when you're in that thought of being a son of the devil, it's a lie, bro. It's a lie. He told you that. He told you you were his son. But he was lying to you. So the whole story of God has been to reveal to you a remembrance of who you actually are. Of whose father you actually belong to. Because you were born of God. God is your father. The one true God. The almighty God. The invisible God. The eternal God. In whom dwells in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Does not the scripture say in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily? Does it not say that he is the express image of his person? Yes. So in other words, if God's invisible, PK, you can't see him until Jesus. God put himself in an image, put himself in a body so that we could see him. This is the son of God talking about Jesus Christ. Without that son, Terry, there is no overcoming of sin. There is no overcoming of the devil. And I love how you used him being the chief cornerstone because the scripture clearly says that the entire church is built upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He is our foundation. This is why, and we may get to this at some point, this is why doctrine is so important. Don't worry, we'll get back to Adam in a second. But this is why knowing the doctrine is so important. Have you ever wondered why you have all these thoughts and why you don't know who you are and why when the devil comes knocking, you just open the door and invite him in and sit down at a table and fellowship him? And then you wonder why you're full of fear and doubt and confusion and Condemnation? Well, he just sowed everything of his being to you. And you let it in. So what you got to do? You got to shut that door in his face. It's like the old parable of the three little pigs and the big bad wolf. You don't let me in, I'm going to blow your house down. Well, you wish you could. But my house is now the house of God. And it's not made of sand. So the big bad wolf can't blow my house down anymore. That's, that's how you got to be. You got to tell that wolf what it is. Because he is a wolf. And he would love to come in right now and try to destroy everything God's doing in the salvation of this woman. But it ain't going to happen. You know why it's not going to happen? Because the sun is here. The son is here. God couldn't heal the woman first. He had to heal the son. And because the son is here, now the woman's going to be healed, is being healed, and the son is the covering that's going to protect the whole thing while God does it.
Wolf can't get in now. We're in a secret place. We're hidden. We have hidden you. You're under our covering. So going back to Adam, this entire story that God's doing, God had to simply reveal, Patty, what was in Adam, the thing that was weak, the thing that could be deceived. Adam wasn't deceived in the transgression. Did he disobey God? Absolutely. He disobeyed God. He laid his life down and he fell with his wife. Absolutely. But he was not deceived. The woman was deceived. She was deceived by a subtle serpent. Now remember, or do I need to remind you, that Eve came from Adam. Now religion took this and they preached it in the division. What do I mean by that? They separated male from female as if it never existed as one. And they would attack the woman as the weak thing. God's correct in all of that. You hear me? He's correct in all. We've all been under evil men. Someone said, we were actually talking about it at breakfast. Somebody came to me once a time. Tim reminded me of this. And they said, Gary, you remember when you were this, this, and this? And I was like, what are you talking about? That's not who I am. Why are you bringing that back? Were you trying to raise the dead? Not the way God raises the dead. You trying to resurrect dead things? That's not who I am. I'm in a resurrection. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I don't relate to that anymore. That's not who I am. Now, if that offends you, might want to check that the weak thing is God making it strong yes. is that is that been God's intent Don the whole time when at first the thing that is carnal would rise up and question and struggle and strive and she called it being stubborn well the devil is stubborn and it would fight against, it would oppose. Isn't that antichrist? Isn't that what John said? He said, hey, we're in the last times. There are actually many antichrists. In fact, if I was to go around the room, I could identify antichrist in this world, that world, that world, that world, that world, that world. I could do it. But you know what I actually want to identify? I want to show you the sun. I want to point you to Jesus. When Jesus come after me, that, that old man of sin that was up on the hill, he didn't pay no mind to him, Ernest. He wasn't there for him. He was there for his son. God had to get his son first. He is the first. The first begotten. There's not a single brother, not a single daughter, not a single saint, not a single single one that comes before Jesus. Not Michael, not Gabriel, not Raphael, not any of them. None of them come before Jesus. Jesus is the highest of them all. And without Jesus, we would not be here right now. But praise be to God, man. God has changed some eternities because of Jesus Christ. Man, that's awesome. If Jesus has come into your world, he has come to seek and save that which is lost. And my God, has there been some things that were lost. But because Jesus has come, he has come to not only save us, but to bring us into a resurrection. He said concerning the Holy Ghost, take no thought what you shall say when you're brought before them. Talking about the children of the devil, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees. When, when Satan's children brings you to their counsel and they have intent to kill you, take no thought what you shall say. For in that hour, the Holy Ghost will bring to your remembrance what you will say. And you look at how Jesus handled them. When Pilate himself stood before the Lord and said, are you? Are you what they say? I know I'm paraphrasing, but are you really what they say? Are you the son of God? For this purpose was I born. 
My God, man, that, I, I mean, that's profound. No question mark, no doubt, no, no wondering. Jesus didn't walk around in his life going, am I, am I, am I, does God love me? Am I really of God? Or am I going to make it? Listen to me. You hear these thoughts? These thoughts are the thoughts that are born of the accuser, born of the wicked one, born of the Antichrist, born of those that would oppose that Jesus coming forth in you. But I remember in Revelation 12 where there was a woman that was sitting upon the throne clothed with the sun and a crown of 12 stars upon her head and the moon was under her feet. This, the word of God says, was a great imagination. It was a wonder. A wonder in heaven. What, what does that mean, Tim? What does it mean, a wonder in heaven? Where'd this woman come from? How, how did she exist there, bro? What, what caused her to be? And in whom was this wonder? You guys ever think about this stuff? Do you ever look into it? Do you ever ask these questions? Where's this woman been all this time? Because <laughs> God knows we've had a lot of experience with the whore of Babylon, whether you knew it or not. We like to call her Jezebel because that was God's example in the earth. Remember that story of Adam we're talking about? When, when God put Adam into this sleep and the whole thing eventually went out, now you get to watch through all the genealogies of Adam. You get to see both the good and the evil that was in him. You see it all. That's what God did for you in his mercy. That's actually an act of mercy that God did for Adam. You say, how, God, how could God put Adam out? Well, think about it this way. If God had not put Adam out, what would be his heaven? What would be the tree of life? What would, what would become of it all? Did God himself say, we, we, we've got to handle this? Did he not look at the us and say, we must handle this? We can no longer let him in this defiled state have access to the tree of life. Lest he be in a perpetual state of eternal condemnation. Think about it. You wouldn't want to be in sin forever, would you? So aren't you glad that God in his mercy put Adam to sleep? And he clothed him in robes of skin and he put him out. And if you think about the vision that God's done here, it's an amazing act of grace and mercy. Because now the true son of God, the Adam that is still in the garden, the one that's sleeping earnest, the one that's dreaming this whole thing, what's he learning, bro? What's he learning from the dream? What's he learning from the trance? There you go. He's learning some things, isn't he? Between good and evil? To know the difference? For what purpose? He has to give the prophets a little bit of time to prophesy, right? Because it's amazing, isn't it, that in that sleep, God sends his word, God sends his prophets all along. Right, Don? Your whole life, God visited you. It ended up being a prophet coming to see you and saying, see, I've been with you this whole time. I've been with you this whole time. I've been, I visited you here. I visited you here. I visited you here. Don't try to tell me I haven't talked to you. Try to tell me I haven't guided you. Try to tell me the anointing hasn't led you. Try to tell me even when you didn't have a man to lead you. You were lost without a husband. Oh, yeah, I'm preaching to you. You say, well, John said, when the anointings come, you'll have no need that a man lead you. Which, which man do you think he's talking about? He sure ain't telling you that you don't need elders of God. Even the heir to the throne needs governors and bishops and those that are over him, tutors. You know what those are really are to be interpreted as? 
apostles and prophets, teachers and evangelists and pastors. It's fivefold ministry. That's what God puts the young heir under until he comes of age. Ah, but it's interesting. John did say, you'll have no need that man shall teach you. You know what John was really after there? He was telling you, just like David said in Psalms 55, you've been going to church with your buddy. You've been going to church with your friend. Dealing with the aspects of the soul here. You've been going to church for a very long time with a familiar spirit and a false prophet. That's the man John was after. John was telling you, you'll have no need any longer for that Antichrist to lead you and guide you. But never think for a second that you don't need the man, Christ Jesus. And because he's in us, you need us too. You say, no, I don't. Good luck with that. Because I got news for you. Rick's angel had to wake me up. I couldn't do it by myself. He had to wake up Dan. He had to wake up Brian. He had to wake up you. He pulled you out of a pit. If you could have got out of that pit by yourself, would you? You wanted out, but you couldn't get out. Why do people spin in a perpetual cycle of sin and death? They, I call it a curse. Well, God calls it a curse. Why do they spin, PK? It's familiar to them. But has there ever been a time, Tim, where you wanted out? You got just detestable. Like, you're my God, I'm in this. Tri I can't get out. I want out. It's like those spirits that I saw under the waters. There was one in particular that was whispering to me, was talking to me. I'm in Peter the Apostle. I'm in the boat. My brothers are there with me. We're all in the boat, man. Jesus is up on the mountain praying, but yet he's walking on the water in the fourth watch of the night. Man, that's some powerful spirit stuff right there. You, you can be up in the mountain and project your spirit to walk on the waters and visit your, your sons. And this spirit's coming up under this water. He can't get out. He can't get out. He's, he's deformed and decrepit. He's, he, he, the, the toll of sin has been on him. For, he's been in these waters for a long, long time. And at first, Peter was afraid. Peter was afraid when he saw these spirits under the water. You say, that's not in the Bible. Not in your written Bible. It's in this Bible. Because I've seen it. John himself said, I love John. John himself said if everything Jesus did was written, the, the world itself couldn't contain it. So don't try to tell me there's not things that God has done that are not recorded in your physical Bible. Especially after man's put their fingers all over it. Oh boy. Now I'm really stepping on some toes. I thank God for the Bible. But man has touched it and modified it and changed it. But you know what they can't change? The mystery of Christ. No matter what they have modified, when you get to reading that Bible and you're a son of God and the anointing comes into play, God can take the blinders off and he can reveal to you what he said in prophecy from the very beginning. And he'll make the whole thing known to you. That's what God can do. I don't care if man rip page after page. God will fill the pages in. Oh, yeah. And so this spirit wanted up out of these waters. I didn't actually plan on preaching any of this. I, I, I was going to go to Revelation 21. We'll get there. I trust God, man. This spirit wanted out of the waters. He had been there a long time. Who, who was that, you think? Who was that? Why was, I, why, was I, why was I in Peter? Why that visitation? Why then? Why now? Was that possibly a part of Peter? 
an aspect of his soul that was trapped under those waters of Noah's flood? Didn't Jesus say you must be born again of water and of spirit? Now, I was always taught you're dunked in a whatever tub. I was baptized three times. First time definitely didn't work because it was Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Second time they baptized me in Jesus' name, and it didn't get rid of all my lust. And so I got baptized a third time because I thought, why not? And I'm like, maybe they need to hold me under till bubbles come up. I don't know, but this devil ain't letting me go. No, what I really needed was a baptism of the Holy Ghost. But before I could come into the Holy Ghost, I had to be born, excuse me. Before I could come into the Holy Ghost, I had to be baptized of those waters from those waters out of those waters so if you have to be born of those waters and of the spirit what are we talking about tim what is spirit is antichrist a spirit do you have to be born of that antichrist spirit out of that antichrist spirit into what we're talking about the very first principle of the doctrine of Christ. We're talking about repentance. You have to repent from the thing of iniquity, the thing of the man of sin. Is he a spirit? Is, that, is, is he an entity? If he gets into you and changes your intent, changes your will, changes your mind, he'll turn you from the Lord. That's what he does. That's what he did when he turned a third of the heaven, the stars of heaven, the children of heaven. He turned them, tried to steal Michael's kids, man, and he did get some of them. But guess what God did? God said, yeah, you got them, but don't worry, we're going to get them back. But because they wanted to go out, because there was desires, you, you ever looked at some of those desires you deal with? You ever wonder why you don't come into celestial things, heavenly things? You ever wonder why sometimes you struggle with fear and doubt and condemnation? How much have you loved the spirit of that man of sin? How much you, have you loved the things of iniquity? You say, my God, man, I, I, don't, I don't love iniquity. Jeremiah said, you don't know your heart. We talked about this at breakfast. You guys should have been there. It was awesome. You don't know your own heart until the light of God begins to shine on it. See, curses work, and you're unaware. Things of weakness work, and you're unaware. <clears throat> this is why God put Adam in the sleep. He had to reveal the weak thing. You say, well, Gary, what, what are you saying? Are you just saying all these women out here are weak? No, no, no. Understand what I am saying. The wisdom and understanding that works in us, if it's not the right wisdom, if it's not the right perception, if it's not the right understanding, what does it think concerning the things of God? It thinks God is weak. This is why you think the devil's so strong and has so much power. He sowed that to you. He lied to you. And you know how he got you? He enamored you. And he put you in a bewilderment. He seduced you. And he told you, I'll make you great. Look at the five I wills. Look at how he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Did he offer him all the glories of the world? Have you ever looked at the desires of your own heart? What if I told you that God could take such a desire and convert it and then your desire would be for all of the things in the world to convert them to Jesus? You wouldn't spend your entire life 
trying to gain everything you desire in a selfish intent. You would lay your life down at every turn to get back everything that belongs to God. Why do you think we're here? This is why we're here. This is why God sent us. This is why in Daniel 11, he says, some will fall with understanding. This is the entire purpose of God. To come back and get the thing that was weak, to make it strong, and to remind you that in the beginning, the commandment of the Lord was given to you, and in the fall, you forgot what God told you. But in the resurrection, God reminds you of all things. So then, does it beg the question? Is the woman of God ever truly been weak? Or has she always been strong? Uh, now you're getting it. God has never been weak. God has never lied to us. When Adam wakes up, Adam goes, Oh, what a dream. Did, did you see that? Did you guys see that? That's how you feel sometimes. You wake up from some of these dreams, you just want to you just want to go tell everybody. My, did, did you guys see this? Did you guys hear this? No, that was for you. Don't be going and blabbing your dreams to everybody. God's talking to you. Now I do counsel you to submit it to your pastor. Because we don't want Antichrist running amok. And you got good elders that can judge a thing. I mean, after all, you wouldn't want to dream a thing that would seduce you, deceive you, and take you in deeper into Antichrist, would you? You want to know if it's truly the voice of God. Okay, good. Because we as elders do the same. I still call Rick, say, hey, man, had this dream. Let's go. Let's talk about this. I've got some very good counsel over the years. I actually had a conversation with Rick not too long ago where I had a dream, and, boy, it was an intense dream, and Rick counseled me on some things and said, this is what you want to look out for right here. And I was like, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, here we go. That devil always looking for opportunity. And if you judge the thing according to the flesh, you'll miss it. You'll get deceived. So you have to let God pull the blinders off. And that's why you stay in submission to the anointing. That's why you stay in submission to the elder. That's why you stay in submission to the son. So God established this son in us. But the revealing of this woman that God did. How long have I been up here? Too long already, huh? You guys hungry? So God reveals this woman. God has a very specific order to the way he does things. Very orderly. It's almost like military. You, you might not think God operates that way, but he's very meticulous. He's very, he's a God of order. Everything must be done decently and in order. So if you get a thought that tries to put the woman ahead of the man, you're in error. The order of God is the head of every woman is the man. The head of every man is Christ. The head of Christ is God. Ah, so everybody has to submit to somebody. I always used to love like, ah, you, you, you men, you, know, you want us to submit to you. Yeah, just like I submit to Jesus. Anything else? I have to submit. I have to submit. So what are you trying to tell me? You don't want to submit? Because I have to. Make sense? Oh, I know I'm stepping on some toes. It's all right. Just roll your pants legs up. We wouldn't want to tear your pants or anything. We just want to step on your feet a little bit. That's why I wear my boots now. Got to tread on some heads of devils. This is how it goes. First your money, then your clothes, then what else nobody knows. 
That's what happens when you stay in a curse. <laughs> it took a minute for everybody to catch me on that one. Like, boy, is, he, is that a word from God? Or like, what, what, what's going on there? No, that was just me being goofy. Actually, an old United Pentecostal preacher told me that joke. And actually, if you look at the parables of this life, boy, isn't that true? You fall in love. Look at the key words here. To be in love, you got to fall. Oh, I love her. I love her so much. I've just fallen head over heels. Yep, you fell all right. And the deeper and deeper you love her, the deeper and deeper it goes. (laughs) But there's resurrection in that too. All right, we're done. So you look at the story of God. And what does God do here? Is he walking us through this divine order? Could not have come for our women without having first come for the sons. And man, oh man, oh man, did God do a great work in our Bishop Rick, our spiritual father. I'm I just going to tell you, he is my spiritual father. Born of his angel. This is not stuff he had to tell me. This is stuff God showed me. Born, He did tell me, but God showed me. He bore witness in me. Born of his angel. Now to see Ann up there in Boise testifying about this great healing. Boy, I'm telling you, man, it was like a thousand pounds of weight just lifted off her. The countenance brightened. The glory of God was on her. And she just testified the great works of God and and just told everybody. And she glorified her husband and told everybody how how wonderful her husband is and how much he's done for her. And he sowed the truth and the good word of God to her all these years. In spite of how the devil lied all those years and evil wicked men tried to take her out. Her husband covered her and protected her. Even when lies worked in her mind to try to turn her against her husband, God had mercy. The devil tried his best. He tried to get the sons first by working very specific parables among us. Tried to deceive us. Those is as is, man. It's funny about those is-as-is. There's actually a truth in them. You can, you can go to the Word of God and say this equals that. You can do it. But be careful. If the Holy Ghost doesn't give you that interpretation, you got a whore working in you. And if you let the whore interpret the Bible for you, it's a defiled gospel. Paul said it like this. If even another angel come to you, preaching another gospel, let him be accursed. And Paul clarified very clearly, it's actually not another gospel. What do he say about it? It's a defiled gospel. It's a wrong, it's a gospel of error. It's not the gospel. The gospel is that of Jesus Christ, the spirit of prophecy. So we've been in those faults. Gospels, those false prophecies, those false, the spirit of the false prophet himself has worked among us. But when Jesus comes on the scene, he goes after all of that, but he's got to get that son first. And when he gets that son and he convinces that son, reminds that son, brings that son into remembrance, PK, of who he actually is, and he sits him at that table And he opens up the gospel, the revelation of Christ, the mystery of the Lord. It's all revealed at that table. In spite of all those enemies that are around you, all you got to do is just stay at the table and fellowship Christ. You can't fellowship Christ and fellowship devils. Did you read it? You can't do both. You got to make a choice. That's why Moses drew that line in the sand. You got to pick a side. Who's on the Lord's side? 
If you're on the Lord's side, you ain't sitting there going, hmm, maybe, maybe not. You're not sending love note. Do you love me? Mark, yes. Mark, no. No, no, no. This, this is for real. This is for eternity, guys. Ladies, this is for eternity. This is for keeps, as they say. And when he gets that sun and he establishes that sun and he burns out all of the things of the wicked one, that man of sin's got to be burned up. When he gets that sun, when he gets rid of the Balaam, when he gets rid of the wicked ego, the, the seven abominations that work in that man of sin, when he, when he changes those things and he drives out that wicked one and you, you come into the thing that Jesus said, the prince of this world cometh and he has nothing in me. Because we have elders now, a tight eldership. God has burned those things out. And if there be anything that remains, he's going to get that too. But the one thing Rick did is unify the brothers, unify the elders. And all that division that used to happen because of ego and pride and sin and iniquity and error, it's done. It's done. And now God turns to the aspect of the soul because without the female without the woman and I'll be done with this because we're going to we're going to get into some more of this eventually we'll get to maybe we'll see what happens but we'll get to Revelation 21 I want to talk to you about that heavenly bride but I needed to preach the son here I needed to remind you where this came from what this was born of because without that son this thing that God's doing, Claudette, and you women, you elders' wives, and you say, why, why the elders' wives? Why, why, why not me? I've actually heard those questions. Why not me? Is this for everybody or is this just for them? That's interesting that we've had those thoughts manifested among us. But if you go to Colossians 1 and you read about the eternal Jesus, the word of God refers to him as the head of the church, the body, the body of Christ. He's the head, but the body of Christ, which is the church, which is the bride. So if God is doing this thing as an example in the elders' wives, what is that a parable of? Is that not God telling his church, his body, this is for my entire body? Tim came and talked to me about it this morning. That means this is for the woman in me too? Yes. Yes. Because if the woman in you is Proverbs 7, Terry, and it's seducing the young man in you to whore you into abominations, then what wisdom's working? The wrong one, right? That's what God's here to heal. And he's done that in the eldership, and now, by natural order, I should say by spiritual order, God is now going to add the woman to the elder, and he's going to make the angel whole. And then in the ultimate plan of God in his eternity, he's going to get back all his kids. Because I've talked to some of my kids, and some of my kids were naughty, I was in a dream this morning talking to one of my sons, an angel. And I remembered how I spoke to him and told him, you're becoming, and watch him grow up right before me. But he did some pretty bad things. He left me, but now he's back with me. And glory be to God. We're going to get our kids back. But that's another story. But seeing now what God's done with these women, what God's doing with my wife, 11 years, 11 years ago, God revealed some things on the woman to me. 11 years ago. And 
during a time when I told you yesterday that we almost made an exit. I almost made an exit. God intervened. And he came and made some things right. And he revealed a curse that was working in the aspect of the soul concerning the woman in me. Which Rick had prophesied about another 10 previous years or so. Got to get this thing, Gary, figured out on the woman or you're going to be delayed in your ministry. My God, 20 plus years. Look at that, man. And then yet, Patty, 20 plus years compared against eternity is a blip. It's a blip. That's amazing. You say, but I want it now. I want it now. Don't let your lust get the best of you. Don't get impatient either. And definitely do not despise what God's doing for our elder wives right now. Because if he's doing it for them, guess what that means? He's going to do it for you if you're willing, if you're ready, if you're able. And you say, well, what does that mean? You got to want it, man. You got to want this thing. But if you want to stay in sin and death, you want to stay in the curse, you want to stay in the cycle, we're not going to run you off, but we're going let to you, let you play around a little bit. Go ahead. Go, go sit at your table of devils and feel sorry for yourself and work that condemn, let that condemnation work you over. When you're ready to talk, when you're ready to really walk out of sin and death, when you're ready, and I'm speaking specifically to some, when you're ready to walk out of hell, when you're ready for the angel to pull you out of the pit, when you're ready and you call upon the name of the Lord, don't think for a minute God can't hear that right, righteous prayer. Isn't that what you said God's creating in you, Tim? A right prayer? When that right prayer gets to the ears of God, guess what God does? He answers prayers. Prayer is powerful. And when God answers prayer, can God come PK into eternity and pull you out of that pit? He did, didn't he? He did. That's why we have our brother PK with us here to this day. He's out of the pit. Oh, man. That's good stuff. So what is God going to do for us? Some good stuff, isn't he? God's going to do some wonderful, wonderful things.